Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Morning, Thursday. <clears throat> One day closer to Friday. Dip a frog in the throat, excuse me. 0818 96 96 96, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I never got to read back some of your comments yesterday on uh, the price of fish and chips, the quality of fish and chips, and the quality of bread in the supermarkets, which a lot of people were absolutely just apoplectic it's awful come back to that come back to that but far more serious things to do um, you've been reading the stories in your newspapers as have I over the last couple of days uh, I think I mentioned one or two of them to you earlier in the week um, the Commission on Taxation has been publishing its report this week now this happens from time to time and all of the people who are on the Commission on Taxation you, you can Google their names. I, I, I barely recognised one or two of them. But these are the people who are saying we need to increase inheritance tax, remove the tax relief on health insurance, put up VAT, put up PRSI, especially for the self-employed, bring in congestion charges, accommodation tax on tourists, like you do in some parts of Mallorca, more tax on the lump sum you get with your pension. Put more tax on your savings and deposits. Increasing property tax. Congestion charges. A tax on electricity. What? Electricity use. And tax on pizza. Now, speaking of fish and chips, there'd be tax on that too. Like, who are these people? And what is this about? Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. Charlie, are, the, are these somebody that Santi didn't come to or that he brought a bag of coal when they were children? Who are they? Good morning. How you doing? How you doing, PJ? Yeah, it's, um, it's unpopular, isn't it? My God. As somebody said to me, all they're short of doing is proposing a tax for the air that we breed. I mean, you know, and, and I really took issue with them yesterday at their launch of this report when the Minister for Finance was there, Pascal Donoghue, um, at, at, at what I see as a kind of skewering of households and and letting businesses largely off the hook here, you know, even 
some very generous um, tax release for high earners that don't advocate doing anything there. Who are they, you ask? Well, it's chaired by this woman, Neve Maloney. She's a professor of law at the London School of, of Economics. She's an Irish woman, as you might guess, from a name like Neve Maloney. And it's got representatives from trade unions, uh, from IBEC, from academia. You know, there's a guy from the ESRI on it, Barrow uh, There are tax experts. And um, you know, uh, and 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 th- th- that kind of thing is just a broad range of people. So basically, it was a commission or a committee put together by the Department of Finance. They 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 asked them to to look at how are we going to fund the future of the country in ten fifteen years when we all get a lot older, when the you know the cost of the climate transition is going to be huge, and we're going to have fewer workers. So none of these are for the budget. None of these are immediate. But the, they came up with a suite of proposals, 116 different recommendations yeah. uh, for, for future funding the country. Um, that's what they were asked to do. It was set up in April 2021. It reported yesterday. But, yeah, it's gone down very badly, a lot of these proposals, you know, the, particularly the inheritance tax one, the PRSI one, and the tax on processed food. I mean, those ones are headline-grabbing, but... Um, the tax on electricity use, Charlie. I mean, like, it's dear enough as it is. Oh, for God's sake. I mean, you know, never mind the fact that that we, we're in an energy crisis and it, prices have more than doubled. We've had multiple increases from all the energy providers. I think something like five from each of them in the last year and a half. Uh, you know, the, the average household bill is probably going to be over €2,000 just for electricity alone. Standing charges have gone through the roof. You already pay that on your electricity bill. There's a levy on it. Now, the levy at the moment is negative, the PSO levy. Uh, but you don't pay carbon tax on electricity. But what they're saying is that, that this commission, this commission on taxation and welfare are saying, look, at you know, the European Union is looking at an additional levy or excise duty on electricity. We think that's a good idea as well, mm. because, you know, the, 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 the revenue that the, the country gets from fossil fuels, the likes of diesel and petrol, heating oil, they reckon that'll go down as we transition into greener technologies, um, gr- greener ways of, 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 of getting our services. So they want to, um, uh, uh, recognising the need for the exchequer to generate additional revenue from tax and electricity in the medium to long term to replace revenues from fossil fuels is what they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there should, you know, they say any increase should be carefully timed. Now, they were very eager to say yesterday, these commission people, that they realise this report has come out smack bang in the middle of the most crippling cost of living crisis we we can we yeah. can remember, you know, worse than the seventies, and um, you know, obviously, its timing is woeful. But they wanted us to look at these things, so you know, people are just going to be appalled at that kind of suggestion. Given, you know, when the, when the winter bills start landing on yeah. the doorsteps, they're going to be bumper bills. They are going to land with a thud on the do- on now, the doormat. You know, th- this is the commission, like you said, that Pascal Donoghue appointed and and asked to come back with these recommendations. You say nothing's going to happen in the budget in two weeks' time. <clears throat> Nothing from no. this document. But is it just one of these things that they'll keep on saying it over and over again until some minister down the road actually goes and does it? I suppose what they're saying is, look, here's a report, and it is a monster. It's a doorstep of a report. It's 500 pages, you know. Um, uh, just the recommendations alone are 38 pages, you know. We weren't given the full report at, at, at the start of the briefing yesterday, but... Yeah. Um, Pascal Dunhu jokingly came up and handed me a copy of it because I complained that I hadn't got it. But it's an absolutely enormous thing. I suppose what it is is a suite of options. In, in the years ahead, we're going to have to, what they say, broaden the tax base because we're getting older, because uh, and, uh, corporation tax is booming at the moment, 20 billion a year, but it's not expected to last. So 
So these guys have to look at other ways of raising money. My problem is there's too much of a focus on households, not enough on businesses, apart from the PRSI on, on the self-employed. So I just think, you know, there's a whole load of sneaky levies and charges. It's like the last commission on taxation we had, which proposed water charges on property tax and a whole raft of other little sneaky levies and charges that come out. I'm trying to remember now, PJ. It came out in about 2013 or yeah. something like that. And, um, and we know where the water charges debate went, you know? Exactly, you know. So, I mean, you know, of course taxes are unpopular. Nobody wants to pay taxes, and you have to pay taxes. And, you know, there's a solidarity thing here, you know, where we all share in the cost of teachers and guards and, 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 and the ambulance. You know, we, 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 if, we, if we have a problem, we need an ambulance. We complain if it's not there, but it has to be paid for. Of course, that's all true. But where does the burden fall? Yeah. If it falls too much on the household which is the argument I was making to them yesterday, it's, you know, it's, it's totally unfair. I just said to them, you've absolutely skewered households and you've let, you know, you've given businesses a, 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 a get-out-of-jail card here, just a free run at it. There's barely any proposals for them to, to, to hit businesses. And their argument to that, Professor Maloney, the chairperson, Professor Neve Maloney's argument was, look, at, we don't want to do anything that, it, that you know, that, that impacts on job creation. We want to protect jobs and, and make sure that the, the, the country is attractive as a business yeah. location. Well, I mean, you know, if you, but if you look at the balance, I think, PJ. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you look at the one you, and you said skewering families, okay, take now it's being headlined, including in your own paper, as a tax on pizzas, but drill down into it. It's a tax on processed food. Now, with the best will in the world, families struggling to make ends meet, in fact, to make ends even wave at one another these days, let alone meet. They live on processed food for the, with the best will in the world. It's all they can afford. So they'll be reading this and going, What? You're going to put my food up? I can't yeah, exactly. keep my house, I can't light my house. No, you can't, you don't want me to eat either. No, no, look, I'm responsible for calling that a pizza tax because I, 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 when I got hold of more of the proposals yesterday, just before yesterday morning, I, I spotted this thing where they want to put a tax on processed foods to discourage people from eating them. So you're absolutely right. A lot of poorer households would depend on the, you know, staple for them, a family's favourite for them would be the chicken nuggets, the pizzas, those kind of things, which are highly processed Grow, okay, okay, PJ, they're not good for you. Uh, but it's, is it a bit paternalistic in nanny state? Is it a bit like the minimum unit pricing for alcohol to turn around and say, oh, we don't like those, so we, we'll tax the yeah. backside out of them, you know, and the same with the cigarettes. But certain certain cohorts would, would smoke and, and, and would eat processed foods, so they're going to be particularly going to be hit by that. You know, they may not have, the, the main, it just may not be possible for them with big families to, to prepare meals, and so they may not be, not be just good at doing that. So, you know, there's a real issue there. I think that's terribly classist, you know, definitely that, that one. And it's all very well for a lot of well-paid, well-heeled individuals to turn around at a, in a committee and say, I'll put a tax on pizza, sure it's not good for us, you know. Uh, but, you know, what are the practical implications of that is the question I would ask. Yeah. There's, there's another one that stings as well, I think, for people who are getting to a time in their life where they're almost clear their mortgage, they're putting a few quid away, their children are growing up and they're looking at a point where, well, I'll no longer be here, but I've got a house and I've got a few bob that my kids can have. And this crowd want to tax the life out of that. Yeah, I revealed this on Monday morning and it that. took off like wildflowers, wildfire. It's one of the most read stories on the independent.ie. This is the inheritance tax proposal they have. They're saying, look, at the moment, under, under capital acquisitions tax is it, it, dead technical name, it's, we all call it inheritance tax. Under that at the moment a parent can leave their offspring €335,000 mm. worth of property or That assets, includes whatever. the house, doesn't it? Yeah, that'd be the house or whatever, you know, so the total can't exceed 335 that's tax free. If you go over that 
if you go over that, you're paying a uh, tax at 33%. What they're saying is that 30, that 335,000 euros is too high, they say. It's far too high. It should be, quote, substantially reduced and bring it down to the other thresholds, you know, for for somebody who's not a close relative, the, the threshold is about 32,000 euros. And they're, they're saying it should come down to that. That has gone down incredibly badly. People are really annoyed about that. Well, well that I would mean, Charlie, I think, sorry to cut a question out, I think that would mean, maybe I'm misinterpreting it here, you'll correct me if I am. If I was to die in the morning and leave the house to my kids, if these people lowered the rate, they'd be having to sell the house to pay the tax. You're absolutely right, and a lot of people would say that, that, that they, particularly in urban areas, Cork, Dublin, Galway, you know, uh, if there's only a small number of children, uh, you know, they may end up having to sell the house, you know. Um, suppose there's one child. It's like they can only, inha- they can only uh, inherit a value of 335,000 if the house is worth 400,000. You know, they're paying tax on the rest of it, and they may not be able to do that, so they may have to sell. So, yeah, yeah and people are arguing, hold on a minute, it's their money, we paid tax on it, we bought this house, we paid high interest rates back in the day very, very high um, income tax and very high mortgage rates. And, uh, you know, we should get to do as we like with it. Remember, the threshold used to be as high as 540,000. You know, it was really high. So, and the tax rate was lower. But others will say, well, hold on a minute here. You know, this kind of inheritance is is is, is known as, as, as the way wealth gets perpetuated. And it, it, it ensures that there's inequality out there, the way, you know, rich people can lend money to, to their offspring and, you know, a lot of those who can get a deposit together, it's because they're getting um, the bank of mum and dad or leaving them money. They're, they're maybe giving them their inheritance early or something. So, you know, there's arguments on both sides. You can see arguments on both sides, but mainly people are just annoyed about this one. And the Minister for uh, Finance, Pascal Dunn, who was very, very adamant yesterday, I'm not going there, he said on that one. Well, and Leo Faradkar said, said the same as well. That yeah. No Finnegale, I think Faradkar said no Finnegale government is going to go near that one. It's toxic because they know people will go bananas, PJ. Yeah. Well, at least there's that. So you can reassure us, Charlie, nothing out of this document is going to be in the budget in two weeks' time. No, and you know, in contrast to this, this is, this is a horror show for, for households, this commission report. But the budget, in contrast to that, will be completely different. It'll be a giveaway budget to take account of the fact that people are going to be suffering heavily with energy bills in particular this winter. So, you know, yeah, they, they, these are kind of options for the future, I suppose, PJ. There'll be nothing in this current budget this month. All right, listen, thank you very much for going through it with me. That's Charlie Finance, or Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. I've given the poor man a nickname now, haven't I, Charlie Finance? But then he did call it a pizza tax, so one for the other. Thanks, Charlie. Always appreciate your input. 0818 96 96 96. Nothing going to happen out of that document this year, or maybe next year or the year after. But then a previous document, like he said, contained water charges, and we know what that led to. And a previous document contained property tax and we know what that led to so they keep talking about it often enough it all eventually happens which is the bad thing 0818 96 96 96 the moon is Jimmy says the moon is still shining at quarter past nine in the morning is this unusual actually Jimmy no it's not there's an app you can get on your phone uh, and you can open it day to day. It's wonderful, actually. I have it open for this morning. And, yeah, the moon is to set. The moon will finally set at 20 past one. So, if you, I'm serious. So if you can see the moon in the sky now, that's absolutely not unusual. 
It's a, I must get the name of the app. I just have it on my phone. I don't even know what it's called. But you can do sunrise and sunset and twilight and moonrise and moonset 24-7-36. That's brilliant. But no, Jimmy, that's not unusual. 0818 96 96 96. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. PJ says, Jackie, inheritance tax is crazy money. I was left a few bob last year by somebody who wasn't a relative. I was only allowed 16,500 before I was taxed 33% on the rest of it. So it's not 32,000 or more for non relative, it's 16,500. Jackie, I don't have a huge problem with paying tax if you left money by someone who was just a friend. Or a, a distant. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I've got a massive problem, though. A massive problem with your own children being taxed on something you leave them. I think that's obscene. Absolutely obscene. And don't be giving me examples now like King Charles inheriting from his mother. Don't mind that. There's only one or two King Charles's ever. I'm talking about people who work hard all their lives, pay off their mortgages build a nice house around themselves, put a few quid away when they can, and then when they die, this crowd would want to tax their children. Sorry, obscenity, not allowed in my book. Just when I thought I could retire, says John, I hear this talk about water charges. No, can't. Well, they came up in the last report, is what Charlie was saying, John, and we know what happened there. But Kevin says it's uncomfortable listening because the carbon and tobacco taxes won't be there. That money has to come from somewhere. What's your alternative? That's the question for all of us. Well, Charlie made that point, Kevin, that this Commission on Taxation report he sees skewering householders and ordinary folk, ordinary working folk, for extra money. He, he's not, he, his view is it, there must be better ways to get this money. But they seem to be going for the soft or the low-hanging fruit. Tom says these... People don't understand what it's like not only to live on an ordinary wage but to have to cut back drastically even on a good wage. For that reason, they should have their pensions cut. It would show them what it's like to have a sudden cut in income. I know we won't ever see a Doyle that just earns the average industrial wage but go on, show us you can take a drastic cut in your your pensions. Thanks, Tom. And John says, this is genius and I don't know why no one's ever thought of this. Wouldn't you think Eamon Ryan and the proper experts would have fit electric cars with a dynamo system so it would make its own electricity and doesn't have to be topped up? A dynamo, for those who doesn't remember, is we used to have them on the bike. It was like a little bottle and it'd be down by the wheel of your bike. When you want to turn on your bicycle light, you put the little bottle down and as you drove along, it powered your light. That was was a dynamo. Um, John reckons they should put those into the into the electric cars, so that as the electric car is rolling along, it's constantly charging itself. It's kind of the principle of hybrid, but I see where you're going, John. I do. 0818 96 96 96. Now, wonderful news broke late on Tuesday night that Christy Moore is coming to play a gig at Cork Opera House. That in itself 
is good news because it'll sell out in minutes, maybe even seconds. The even better news is that he's doing it in aid of the Cork Life Centre and he's doing it in honour of Don O'Leary and the work of the Cork Life Centre. Mr O'Leary, you're elected. Good morning. Hello, PJ. This is brilliant news, Don. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 said, I said this. I, you know, I know Christy going back, but we haven't been in contact for years. And then he was on the... He, he chats to James and Timmy and the two, two Norries. He's a fan of the show. Yeah. And he asked, had they my number? And uh, they, gave, they gave it to him. Um, he rang, but I didn't think... I thought it was someone... Uh, having a laugh, and he very nearly gone. But he said something, and I know it was Christy. It's just fabulous, you know. I mean, you know, for me, it's look. I I, I have great admiration for Christy through the years. I mean, he he's a storyteller in songs, and particularly around social social issues and you know social justice issues, inclusion. So we 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 have a bit in common. Uh, but for him to say, I mean, the way he even did it, for him to say that he would do a concert. Um, for the life centre is it, just amazing. Uh, he threw he threw me. He, he still talks to me, but he won't talk to me about the concert. Uh, he asked for someone else. So Rachel, the deputy director, is, is dealing with his team. He didn't want to put any pressure on me. Yeah. Um, but look, it, it, it's just and it hasn't been. I mean, you know, they've organised. We've had to do nothing in the centre um, to do this, and it's just it's just fabulous. I mean, even from a level of forget forget the financial, but even on a level of someone. Of, of Christy Moore's um, standing um, to offer to do something like that for us. Yeah. It's just amazing. And the publicity from it is all positive. I mean, you know, that's the way we like it to be with the kids and stuff like that. So I, 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 I'm just over the moon. I mean, what can you say? Like, I'm kind of, for the first time ever, I'm kind of stuck for words. Yeah, um, which is which is strange. That's unusual. A few keep yeah, that tape, unusual. lads. Keep that tape. We don't often we don't forget to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you go back a, a bit with him, do you, Don? Yeah, um, I suppose the first thing, the first time Christy and myself met was thirty-seven years ago. Thirty-seven years ago, in in, in a place where he sold out five nights in one week. You know, that's that's a selling. That's a starting point for you. He he contacted me. I, I was friendly with Sister Terry, and uh, she's come in to visit me when I was in Port Leash. Uh, we, we reached out to ask Christy, would he do a concert? Um, unfortunately, the governor decided he went to concerts for everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought it was over. But in fairness, Hang on a while now. You were, you, were, you were in Port Leash, shall we say, at the behest of the government as a guest of the state. And, well, no, and I was on holiday, yeah, for three years. <laughs> like, and and, and it, was, it, was a, it was a long holiday, like. And the, you wanted to do one in prison? So, yeah, the, the accommodation was cheap. So he, when, he, when he came, Terry used to visit me, and when, when Christy offered to, to do this, we, we ran with And it was an absolutely fabulous concert. Yeah. And when I came out of, of Port Leash, I, I stayed at my mother's house um, and I was out. The next morning, um, we, when we went home, there were two tickets in the, in, in, in the, um, on the, on the mat in the, the hall, uh, complimentary tickets to go to see Christy in the Triscoll Arts at the time he was doing uh, a concert for Simon Community. Yes. And, and so he, 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 he does these. He never shouts and roars one, but he's always, I know he's done Women's Aid this year and he's done 
the Irish Red Cross for Ukraine and stuff yeah. like that. So it's an honour. Like he he did one for Vita Cortex yeah. as well back in the day. He did, and he's like like the star of the families. You know, mm. he he's he's been there and love it in, in, in Longford. He he's he's commented on on travellers through his music. And he's a really nice guy around. Um, well, I've met him a couple of times, and he's been in the studio. In fact, one a little piece of 96FM trivia, this studio where I'm broadcasting from now, the very first time it was used was when Christy was a guest on this show. And we, it was so new and so fresh, we didn't even know it would work when we switched it on. Yeah, and I look, I think, I think for me, you know... I, I look, I, I'm blown away. No, and what I'm not blown away about is that you know, he says on the tickets is a tribute to Dan O'Leary. And mm. I did try I was going to get to that. He, I, I, did, I did broach the subject with him and they was told, Dan, it's my, it's all, we're organizing the concert. It's not just about the Lee Centre, it's about you. And get on with it. So, like, he, he was giving me no leeway to, to say, look, I did try to leave you, I did. Mm. But he, um, no, look, it's, it's just, uh, it's just a fabulous occasion. As I say, yeah, we're going to make a few pounds. Yeah, we're going to put... The, the night should be, you know, it, it's going to be a great night for, for us in the centre. Mm. Um, and sometimes you need a bit of a, a bit of good luck with uh, in the centre, and, and this is fabulous. I mean, it just raises everybody's, yeah. um, you know, how they're feeling and their enthusiasm and, and stuff like that. And, and it's just amazing. And look, Christy doesn't normally give uh, give interviews or anything like that. They know that. Um However, like for him to be for him to be ringing, I was out getting you won't believe this. I was out getting chemo uh, three weeks ago, and yeah. that's about when it started. And I was just saying to us that there was a concert coming up for uh, for the Life Centre, probably with Christy Moore in the staff, and uh, didn't know where it was at the time. And I she was taking the needle for the chemo in my arm, and she just sat down and I was getting ready to leave, and my phone rang, and it was Christy Moore. Uh, just like I don't mention his name because he's going to ring me afterwards um, but it's great no, because oh, yeah. it's fabulous and, and you know I, I mean I, I enjoy his music so I'm going to a concert to enjoy the concert you know, what anything else is planned or I'm just going to enjoy the concert and I don't know what I don't want to know good man um, good man but look at this and for, 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 for as I say look, the big thing above is how it gives the staff and the students a lift that someone like Christy Moore is acknowledging the work of the Life Centre and the work the staff and the kids do. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. It's, it's a, it, it, is, it is brilliant. It is really, really wonderful. Come here, seeing as you brought it up, how are you, fella? I, I, listen, I, I'm fine. I'm on my way to Belfast to, to launch a book tonight. Um, I, I, I haven't missed... I'm happy to say I haven't missed a day in the centre since I got the diagnosis. Oh, wow. um, and I, you know, I love it. I mean... Yeah. I think it's what's keeping me going, you know, in, in mm-hmm. things. And to be honest, no pain. Okay. Um, I, the chemo, nothing. I can go back to work directly after the chemo. I, I, I arranged the chemo for the Fridays. Um, and in fairness, they were very good to me. They, they've given me the chemo on the Friday. And when I said um, the reason for that was, I felt, you know, you hear so many stories and everyone's journey is different. You, you hear some stories in relation to chemo. And I said, look, I don't know what it's going to be like. Friday morning and a Friday, Saturday and Sunday to get over it and I can be back and work on Monday. No, it's even better than that. I'm back and work. It's 
spiders, all the yeah, same. That, that, I'm back up from half eleven. But, it's but brilliant. Dan, I mean, that, that's because you're a bit mad and you always wear. And that's oh, what. Oh, well, <laughs> there is there is absolutely no one to, 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 to I think that's why everyone loves you, Donna Neary. I'll see you on the night. I cannot wait for this event. And my friend, my dear friend, nobody deserves it more. That's Donna Leary from the Cork Life Centre. Uh, Don's a legend. He deserves this. I'm absolutely delighted for Don and the Life Centre. It's an amazing place and deserves every good luck. That's from Michael Cronin. 6th of November. Tickets on sale this morning. I would imagine they could be gone by lunchtime. It was in the news during the week and the Gardaí have warned of scams, accommodation scams. Uh, we all heard the story in the last few days of the French student who arrived in Ireland to start a university course and was stung for three grand or more in an accommodation scam. And basically what happened was she she arrived in Cork to begin her studies. She had posted on a Facebook group before she came looking for accommodation. She got a message who said, from a guy who said his landlord had a room for rent. The man gave details of the landlord who happened to be someone who spoke French and provided a phone number in France. She then made contact. They had a conversation. And she transferred over three grand. And then when she arrived in Cork at the property that they'd been talking about and that she'd paid over three grand for, the door was answered by someone who knew nothing about what she was talking about. There was no room available. And that wasn't the landlord. And she was scammed... Out of €3,000, and it's one of many such scams going around at the moment. And we were recommended to talk to uh, Trust App. Um, Connor Layden is their chief exec. It's, it's a simple catch for someone. She fell for it. Many more do, Connor. Can we avoid it? Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, look, it's, a, it's something that's become a lot more common um, over the last couple of years. And... I think what really where it comes from is desperation and, you know, there's not much accommodation available and people probably take risks that they mightn't have done previously. Um, but there are lots of ways and kind of signs, red flags, I suppose, that you can look for and ways to avoid it, um, for sure. Our our own platform is is basically designed like, a, like an escrow platform. So we hold the money until, um, you know, in the case of a rental situation, it would be until you've moved into the property and then it's released to the landlord after that oh, point. Okay. So it kind of helps avoid that situation. But that's a bit like um, holiday lettings are one of those where the landlord doesn't get the money until you've actually landed the, and, and picked up the keys. Yeah. Now, like, so we, we kind of have um, models for different types of transactions and rental um, scenarios are one that's kind of become more popular over the last couple of months, um, especially with the students coming back to uh, college and things like that but um yeah like you know you have to be very careful sending money to people you don't know um you know and just hoping that they're honest or that they'll hold up their side of the deal it's unfortunately not always going to happen like that um so yeah that's that's exactly what the the platform's designed for yeah now the, the guardie have pointed to a number of what they call red flags like when the landlord can't meet you in person if everything is done through text or whatsapp um, if if the website looks a bit iffy, uh, when there are no questions asked, prob- oh yeah, no problem, it's yours, just send me the money. Yeah. That's always a red flag, because nothing's that easy in the real world. 
No, and and I think um, you know it's easier said than done. But if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, and it, and that's a kind of hard thing to to stick to if you know you're really desperate to find some accommodation. You've had no luck at all. Eventually, something comes up. Um, it's easy to understand why people can be tricked into you know sending money, thinking that you know they have this really time sensitive opportunity and it might mightn't be there uh you know tomorrow or whatever but that's kind of um that's how most people get caught out um when they're desperate uh, and they send yeah I think someone, someone's trying to get in on your line there we'll see how it goes it also says don't ever pay cash don't pay in crypto if anybody asks you to pay in crypto and don't go through a non-bank transfer what about stuff like paypal Revolut, which is more and more common. What about those? Yes, yeah, so those kind of those kind of platforms all really have the same problem in that you're still paying someone up front and kind of hold, hoping that they'll hold up their side of the deal. Um, so, you, you know, you're, you really have to be careful. Like, there are ways that you can get your money back in certain scenarios, but often they'll insist on the kind of non-buyer protection route um, because and for the same reason they'll say, look, I have lots of people interested. You only have a couple of days to, to get this to me or whatever and people fall into that trap then. Um, any of those ways of transferring money could be Revolut, PayPal, could be sending a bank transfer. Mm. Um, you're still paying someone up front and hoping that they'll be honest on their end. Um, and yeah, as I said, most of the time, uh, um, you know, you might be dealing with somebody who is honest, but often then you won't, and that's where you get caught out. So, by downloading your app, say Trust App, uh, yeah, you act as the as the middle ground. Would it be fair to say, Conrad, that any legitimate individual? I'm being careful here now, but is it fair to say any legitimate individual should not be unwilling to use a middle grounder like yourself? Exactly. Yeah. Like the, the really, if you if you think of it from a seller's perspective. So we would deal with a lot of kind of like transactions on done deal, for example, um, you know, where you're, again, you have that scenario where people are buying or selling with people they don't know at all. Um, the only difference between using our app is that they might, that the payment might be delayed by, you know, a day or two. Mm. Whereas if they're legitimate, that's not really something to worry about. From a buyer's perspective, it offers an awful lot of protection because just like that, you're not you're not paying and hoping that, you know, this is an honest person that you're sending money to. The money's held, uh, and when you know you receive your product, or or in the case of a rental, when you move in, then it's released to you. Yeah, uh, and you have the control, so you'd open the app. And is it something as simple as Are you happy to release this one thousand euro? And I go, Yes. Is that how simple it is? Yeah, it it kind of depends on the on the scenario. So you can kind of build a transaction for different use cases. So like one where physical items are being shipped, the seller will actually ship it through our platform as well. So we as TrustApp will see when it's been signed for and delivered and we'll release the money. Um, but then if you look at rental um, scenarios or kind of face-to-face transactions, it could be buying a car or something like that. And then it relies on kind of dual verification from both sides. Yes. So the the landlord and the tenant in this case saying they're happy. And lastly, you're a car company, Connor. Tell me a bit about it. Yeah. um, So we're a startup company here in Cork. Um, Got about uh, 35 people. We're still pretty early, but we, uh, you know, I started out of UCC originally. Um, and how the idea originally came up was um, I was travelling over and back to watch football matches in the UK 
find myself constantly in the same scenario where I'd have to uh, try and get a ticket from somebody on Facebook or Dundee or any of these websites and they'd always insist on being paid first and I was never comfortable really doing that and kind of felt there must be a better way of dealing with those particular situations so it was kind of a a selfish uh, solution to my own problem originally and then realized that there was a kind of wider application. So, um, yeah, we've we've got um, partnerships with companies now uh, in Ireland, but all over the world as well. Um, and you. usually the kind of common scenario is, like I said, that, that done deal type transaction or, or as uh, has got more common in the last couple of months, yeah, rental situations, any transaction really where you don't know or yeah. can't trust the other person in it. Good, good, good for you and congratulations on the success and there'll be more to come. Now, I don't know what you just came about this one, Connor, but I've seen this before. We discussed this scam on the show a week or two ago. Uh, I got a message on WhatsApp, says this email, apparently from my son. They had his first name and addressed me as mum. His mobile supposed to have crashed so he'd borrowed another because his own mobile wasn't working he couldn't access his banking app so he wanted my card details to order a new mobile online never occurred to me I wasn't really chatting to my son so I sent a picture of my card details I lost some money before I realised what was going on yeah yeah that's a that's a common kind of uh, phishing scam that's going around at the moment and like what generally people in that scenario are trying to do is they're trying to find out some information about you um, to verify. Like, So you might have accounts somewhere where you have security questions, uh, like your son's first name or something. And so what they want you to reply is kind of go, hey, PJ, is that you? Or, or something like that so they can get that information for you. Or Oh, dear me. They can make away with that. But it's breaking up I mean, they want to get your name and your details and then what else did you say yeah so like obviously if you send them the card information or you know your payment details and they're happy and they'll go away and they'll you know use that but no it's it's fallen it's fallen down on us unfortunately Connor. what i'll do is i'll get you to say that to fiona maybe off the air and we'll try and get it written down so you can tell me what it is they're looking for that line just going down on us at the last minute talking to Connor laden ceo of trust app new cork startup for online security generally the message is don't trust anybody Anybody on the subject of concerts? Yes, and I meant to mention this. Uh, should have mentioned it at the same time, but it's as valid to mention. I was very dis- disappointed yesterday to see that poor old Christy Dignam is unwell again. And this was to be a huge concert for them this weekend for Aslan. Forty years on the road, they would have a huge night at the Three Arena this weekend. And unfortunately, Christy's been ordered by doctors to give it a skip. He's on new medication for that which ails him, and was doing so well and was in great form, but has suffered a setback and has been told not to perform this weekend. But they've cancelled it, and they will reschedule. The lads did a video yesterday. Billy and Joe and the others did a venue yesterday or did a video yesterday and said they will reschedule but bitterly disappointed and we all hope those of us who have had the privilege to get to know Christy a little bit and, and, and just love the guy and the ground he walks on just hope he'll be okay 0818 96 96 96 Get back and listen Now you can ask your smart speaker to play Cork's 96 FM Play Cork's 96 FM Please enough speaker there are now even more ways to listen to Cork's 96FM. Tune in on your radio, online, on your mobile. Cork's 96FM. There is an element of the cost of living crisis that you mightn't think about 
unless you have to and an increasing number of people are having to and that is hygiene poverty this is national hygiene week uh, to raise awareness of hygiene poverty first of all what is hygiene poverty rosie mcdonough and how many people are affected morning Good morning. Hiya. So um, hygiene poverty is affecting a good proportion of the population. It's it's people who are struggling to afford the essential toiletries, hygiene products, beauty products that help us stay clean, you know, give us self-esteem and self-confidence and allow us to go about our day, you know, in an easy sort of way. Shower gels, toothpaste. All of that sort of stuff. Nappies, um, you know, baby care, um, household cleaning products. It might be bleach and Dettol and things like that. Um, which it can all add up if you're having to do a big shop every so often to, to get it all. Yeah, and it is a growing number of people who can't afford these things or are buying the cheapest or are watering down their shampoo to make it stretch. Yeah, and we're finding that even, you know, whole families are sharing a toothbrush, um, that, you know, girls are staying home from school because they can't afford period products. It might even be nappies that aren't able to, or parents who can't change children's nappies as often as they want because they can't afford the additional, uh, the additional products. Tell me about the hygienebank.ie. So um, we're a charity and we're based all over Ireland. Uh, we've got projects in sort of Cork and Galway, Tipperary, Donegal, Dublin, Wicklow and Kildare. And we're all volunteers and we're also united by this passion that no one should face hygiene poverty. So um, we collect products from the general public, uh, donated to our drop-off points. And we then pass them on and deliver them to community partners. So there's like charities, voluntary organisations who are working in communities uh, with some of the most marginalised and disadvantaged people in Ireland, making sure that they have access to the products. And these are physical collection points. Like, where do you have them in Cork? Yeah, so we have drop-off points. Uh, we have a couple in Cork in different sort of, um, you know, businesses. But what recently we've launched is a partnership with Boots. So at the Boots at um, Half Moon Street and Blackpool Retail Park, have drop-off points that people can donate uh, products that they've bought or products that they've had at the back of their cupboard for a while and haven't used. Uh, and we take them and we make sure that they're used in a really good way. Right. And it's literally anything, any ordinary like toothpaste, bar of soap, packet of tampons, yeah, two rolls anything, of toilet paper, anything. Yeah, anything like that. There are a couple of things that we don't take, so we can't take sort of open and use products uh, for safety and insurance, but... Um, and also sort of needles and a couple of medicated products as well. But have a look at our website. You know, that's probably the best thing to do to check out what kind of things we accept. Okay. And are you looking for volunteers to help with the project? Oh, yes. Um, we are fully run by volunteers. So the more people we have uh, involved, the better. And um, so you can get involved in your local project in Cork. There's opportunities to get involved all over the country. Um, and people can also donate uh, financially as well. So any, any financial donations we get goes into the organisation to make sure that we can buy and purchase more products that people need. All right. Listen, Rosie, thank you for your time this morning. I know it's been brief. Appreciate it. Uh, Rosie McDonough, Hygiene Bank Ireland. You can go to <clears throat> thehygienebank.ie for more information and their collection points here in Cork. And, of course, they have that association now with Boots. Rosie, thank you. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service.
service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Up to date on the home of the best music mix, Cork's 96FM. Vic, just a second there. Did you say that queue in London is now three miles? It is, yeah. That's as if the lying in state was at the City Hall (laughs) and the queue is out to Douglas Village. Pretty much, yeah. That's just mad. Yeah, it was the same, though, with the Queen Mother. There was a huge uh, huge queue as well when uh, people wanted to go and see the Queen Mother. Yeah, but God, yeah. on the City Hall out of Douglas Village, like, that's yeah. a hell of a queue. I it mean, is. you wouldn't get that for county final tickets. <laughs> wouldn't you? The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I mean, three miles of a queue. Okay, Connor Layden, when his line went down, we got back to him, uh, Connor from Trust App, on just some of the scams that are going around he says, never engage in conversation on WhatsApp or text with an unknown number, even if they're telling you they know you. They'll not only take your payment details to get money out of your bank, they're also fishing for personal information so they can try to reset your passwords and hack into your social media accounts. Thank you for that, Connor. And another hint that's come in is, if someone texts you requesting something unusual, use another means of communication and contact the person and ask if they need help. That's a good idea. That is quite a good idea. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. There's another little scam going around, which I think is fairly harmless uh, because it's not very well put together. And by the time you realise it is a scam, you all you've done is annoy some of your friends. There's a, a, a link going around purporting I strongly say, purporting to come from Heineken and claiming that to celebrate a big occasion for Heineken, they have a thousand little fridges, branded fridges with bottles of Heineken in it to give away. And that all you have to do is share this link with five of your friends and then you can win your case or your thing of Heineken. You share with five friends and then it says, no, you've got to share with more. And you can be there for 10 or 15 minutes sharing and it still hasn't let you. But if eventually it decides that you've shared enough and annoyed enough of your friends, it will then ask for bank details and then you're in trouble. So unless you're really desperate for some free beer, that one's not going to get you. Uh, I did, I got to confess, I got caught by it yesterday. I saw it, a friend of mine sent it through to me I said, that looks good That looks good, man, it never turned down a free fridge full of Heineken um, And I went, and there was, I was two or three sort of rounds of sending it I said, no, there's something up here It said send it to five people, then I sent it to ten Then I sent it, to, I didn't send anymore I said, no, there's something up here Stopped, stopped And then our Simon, 
young Mr. Murdoch texted me back and said, that's a scam. As if to say, I also got caught. So watch it. There is no, there is no free Heineken. 0818 96, 96 96 It does seem half harmless. Half harmless. But then again, maybe not. We spent some time talking across the months of the summer uh, about vaginal mesh. And we talked to a number of women who were travelling to see or had travelled to see or hoped to travel to see a man called Dr. Dionysus Veronicus, who is, strictly speaking, the only surgeon currently in practice anywhere who can remove, fully remove, intact a vaginal mesh. And we spoke to him on the show about his work and how long it dates back. We were talking to Bernie down in West Cork. Uh, the good news is that Bernie uh, will be seeing Dr. Veronicus very, very soon. And that's great news. And we'll talk to her maybe at the far side of that. But I've also been speaking uh, with Max. So, Max, I know you're heading over very soon to Dr. Veronicus. We spoke to him on the program a few months ago. The man truly is a miracle worker, just listening to the people that that have been to see him and had surgery. But let's go back a bit. You had your your mesh inserted in 2013, and you say you've pretty much lost 10 years of your life. I have, but um, it actually wasn't an issue at the beginning. Um, I thought... You know, I was fine, seemingly, at the, at the beginning. Um, it was kind of within the latter years, maybe the last four or five years, I started to notice problems, and I, I couldn't figure it out, really. Um, um, I was getting infections and different things, but I kind of thought maybe, you know, a lot of women have infections from time to time, and, and that. Um, so I was just in and out to the doctor getting antibiotics and different things. like and, um, But then I, I, I was just in, in pain then as well like the pain over the last couple of years has progressively got worse but um, I was I was working in a nursing home at the time so you can imagine it was very physical and hmm. I just a couple of hours into my shift I was just in, in, in shred like to the point of nearly fainting with pain right. um, and I, I couldn't I didn't know what it was of course you, you think all sorts of things like there's this wrong and there's that wrong and I never really pinpointed the mesh at that stage yeah at what point did you begin to suspect it might be? Um, I'd, I had a couple of appointments to go up and down to the hospital for see the gynecologist and um, I, I just, I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere when I was coming out, like I was waiting so long for an appointment and then when I come out, I was none the wiser of before I went in. Um, I did know I had a prolapse again, which is what I originally got the mesh for, yeah. so... Um, and then I was down to see a certain doctor and he more or less said, no, he, he couldn't see me because he wasn't, because I had the mesh and that he would refer me to um, another specialist. So yeah. that was waiting another year and a half then to see that specialist. So uh, I happened to be back with my sisters that day and my niece was there. So we started Googling and, and all and I was just like, wow, this is me. This yeah. is all these symptoms. This is this is me, like, you know, and... Um, like what? What were your symptoms? And the severe pain, and what else? Um, I bleed. I, I bleed if I do anything physical um, at all. Like I, I think it's about three years now since I had a about a four kilometer walk, and I was just on the couch for days after it. Like um, it's just I, I wasn't realizing that it was the physical part that it was things that I were doing that was causing the pain. Yeah. Did you have to pack in work? 
I did, I did, yeah. So at the moment, I, I just I'm a companion for the elderly, really. So there's nothing physical. Right. Um, you can't be doing the personal care or anything like that. Like cause it's just it's too physical. Like even to bend down, um, you know, and get back up type of thing. It, it's you can feel it there. Okay. It's just constant pain. Um, but if I do anything physical, obviously it's worse. Yeah. But I've had I've had MRIs and I've had X-rays and I've had scans and all to eliminate other things and um, they're all come back clear like hmm. How did you find out about Dr. Veronica's? Um, through mesh survivors I after that um, appointment I had when I came home and I was googling and getting a bit of research on mesh I found mesh survivors and I found Mary McLaughlin and she has just been a lifesaver it was like just it was like a light bulb gone off and hmm. I went she rang me straight away and the comfort I got from talking to her, like it was like, I have an answer. I have an answer. There's a reason for this. It's not just all in my head. Yes. <laughs> um, and she's been just amazing since, like, and helping me in every which way she can. Yeah. And um, she's been to Dr. Veronica, so that's where it all began. And have you met him yet? I haven't. He, he did WhatsApp me on Face, uh, FaceTime me on WhatsApp and we had a conversation. And um, I, I, I just, I'm just 100% confident in going over to him. Like, you know, and he, he's more or less, he's just said, like, all my symptoms are just mesh related because he's heard it so often, I suppose, and he's well experienced in this. Yes. Like, and there's, there's no question about it. Yeah. So you're going to see him when? I'm going out on the 25th of October, and my operation will be on the 28th of October. So it's it's not it won't be long coming around now. Yeah, are you? Um, it's probably the wrong word, but are you excited? I am, but I'm nervous. But yeah. I'm, I'm not nervous being in his hands. I have 100 percent trust. Um, going to him really, I really do. You know, I've been speaking to many women now that's been out there, like and that's become friends of mine now through Mesh Ireland, and um, they're they're just different women yeah. since they back. Like they've got their life back. Now yeah. you're in a position, Max, where you have had to crowdfund. I did, yeah. Well, I am. I am at the moment, um, which is is not as easy as you might, might think. Um, obviously, I can't afford to go myself. So, um, um, a friend of mine set up a GoFundMe after me telling her the story, and um, so there's there's a few different things being organised. You know, um, coffee mornings and race nights, and a few different things like that. Like. I haven't reached my target. Um, yet. It's, it's lovely that people want to help, but I think what you're saying is that you shouldn't have to do this. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, I, I was one of the ladies that was up in the doll with Mary McLaughlin and mm. Mindy Jackson on the day. And, um, like, that's basically what we're trying to do is get the women the funding or to, to, to have the choice to go to whatever doctor they, they want to go to as well, mm. you know, and have this removed, considering it's not... It can't be done in Ireland. Like it, it, it it's you no know, brainer for me for to, that's where I need to go. Um, mm. You know, especially when the other women have been there and there's success stories. But, but how does it make you feel when you have to go and do something like a GoFundMe? It at the beginning it was very uh, like it was very hush hush. Like it was like an, an embarrassing topic um, for any woman I could imagine. You know, when you're talking. Um, about personal issues like that, you know, so it was kind of, with the help of friends and the Mesh Ireland that I kind of, I had an interview with the Irish Times, like, which was a huge, huge thing for me, like, I was just, 
uh, it, was, it was huge. Like cause I'd be very private that way. Yeah. And um, so then, and, and I think then it came to my local paper, and that was kind of like you know. Then you're kind of meeting lots of people that you know, and then you're trying to explain the story, and and then mm. it's. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Mm. You feel you shouldn't have to do this, that there should be some way that the state would fund you to go and have your surgery from Dr. Brancas. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's it's shameful that we should have to, to do this. Like, as I say, it, it's not nice to have to, to crowdfund and ask people for to help me to move on my life, basically, you know, because I'm limited to what I can do. Mm. So, the other women that I've spoken to who've been to Dr. Veronica's are just, it's life-changing for them. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're different ladies. Like one of the ladies, uh, she was practically bed-bound and, and she's done the mini-marathon now this yeah. year. You know, that's just amazing. And, and like I would have been big into walking and, well, years ago more so into running and things like that. Like, but in fact, I can't even go for a walk now. It's just it's depressing. Yeah. It really is, you know, because I'm not a person to sit. Yeah. I need to be active, I need to be going. You you, you literally just can't go for a walk? No, I can't. I, I can, but I'll, I'll suffer the consequences of it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just not worth it. Well, hopefully you only have a few more weeks of suffering like that, and that maybe, but maybe by the winter time you'll be able to go out and walk on a cold, crisp winter's day. Would you like that? Absolutely, absolutely. And my target now is to do the mini marathon with that other lady now next year. Fantastic. That's the plan. <laughs> nice. Best of luck to you. Take care Thanks now. Thank you very much, PJ. Thank you. That's Mags, uh, who's heading off to see Dr. Veronica and have her surgery at the end of October. When the rest of us are having the jazz weekend, she'll be having <clears throat> her surgery with Dr. Veronica. 0818 96 96 96. If you have been getting prescriptions from your doctor. There's a change in the technology and it's catching people out. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Shall so read this and see has it happened to anybody else. It has happened to me. Uh, when, I, when I got on to my doctor, he was all apologies and said, oh my goodness, I forgot that. I'll sort it for you now. And I wasn't urgent either. But the way doctors work is changing, according to this message. I went to the doctor on a Friday around four o'clock. They were due to email the prescription to my chemist. I arrived at the chemist, no email. In fact, it didn't arrive until Monday. And it struck me, when procedures change, little safeguards, like knowing you have a prescription, well, well, they're gone. Next time, I'm going to want a copy of that prescription in my hand. Yeah, uh, that's happening a lot now. The doctor says, oh, I'll email it to the chemist and it'll be there when you get there. And unfortunately, sometimes it isn't. And if you know your doctor well enough to have the number, great, as I do. Uh, listen, oh, crikey, he said, I'm sorry, I'll start that out now. But you could get caught too. 0818 96 96 96. A fascinating story written by a person with a fascinating story herself. Neve McNally was in Antigua when she heard that two men had rowed all the way from the Canary Islands, rowed now, in a rowboat, right? Rowboat. Canary Islands to Antigua. In a flipping rowboat. In a thing called the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. And like all writers, Neve, and I think probably you're a bit of a journalist in you as well, 
you had to meet them. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You had to. You just had to, didn't you? Yes, we were on our sailboat and we heard they were coming ashore and we rode or we went road. We went out in our dinghy to see them come in past the finish line and I took a photograph of them as they held up flares. So when the race finishes, they light their handheld flares and hold them up. And I managed to get an iconic shot, uh, which since became the front cover of the book Flares Up. And I was so touched and emotionally charged by the experience. We heard they had no family on island to greet them. So myself and my husband, Gary, invited them onto our sailboat for the following night for their first home-cooked meal. And we started talking about their story. And I said, this is a story that has to be written. Yeah. And you wrote it. Now, you're known as the writer on the water. I'll get to that in a while. You wrote their story. Tell me about them. Cause it's, and you wrote it, I think, as a factual book, but in a novel style. And that was part of the, the work you wanted to do. You wanted to tell their story as if it was a novel. That's exactly right. Um, when we really got down to brass tacks the next morning, I said, are you sure we, you want me to write your story? Because if it's just about rowing across a, a notion, um, that's not as interesting. People are going to want to know why you rowed that ocean, what drove you, what kept you motivated, how did it affect your families, and how have you changed as a result of the experience? And that was the story I wanted to tell. And I said, to do that, you guys are going to have to dig deep emotionally and bear it all. And they did. I'm so proud of them. Tell me about the two people, Paul Hopkins and Phil Pugh. One's a retired firefighter, correct? That is correct. That's Paul Hopkins. He was a firefighter. He was a triathlete, very fit and healthy. And he suffered a brain hemorrhage. And as a result of that, he suddenly thought, I've got to do something that will prove all the naysayers in my life wrong, that I can achieve something great. And he accidentally bumped into somebody who was going to row across the North Sea when he was training for uh, his seamanship for his firefighting job on the River Tyne. And the guy said he was rowing across the North Sea. He goes, well, don't you know there's a ferry and a cheap bed you could take? And he said, no, it's a growing sport. So Paul started to Google it, and then he found that it was becoming a growing sport. So knowing Paul, the personality he is, he typed in the world's toughest row and up came the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. He goes, that's it. Next thing I need to do is find a boat, a team, learn how to row, oh, and ask my wife. Hang on, learn how to row? <laughs> yes, he had, he had never rowed before. <laughs> And ask my wife. Yeah, I can see why they might have to do that too. Yeah, right. And the other, the other gentleman is Phil Pugh. He's a businessman. Now, at the time, Paul was fifty-five, and Phil was sixty-five. Phil had three children. His oldest child was born with cerebral palsy, and was like making his exit, dying at two months old. And Phil made a bargain with God, if you like. He said, look, if you just let my son live, I will do everything I can to take care of him all through his life. And as a result, Phil has pushed himself through these physical challenges and had done about, since he was 60, one big challenge every year. Now, they both lived in Newcastle, but neither Paul nor Phil had ever met. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It was a mutual friend that connected them eventually. And they decided, yep, the two of us are going to make it happen. We're going to get in a rowboat and we're going to go to Antigua. So you leave... I presume somewhere like Tenerife or Gran Canaria in a rowboat with someone you've only just met. The boat is ancient. You wonder will it even hold up? You've never rowed before, so you're trusting him to know what to do. And you've both got families behind going, are you crackers? What a story. That's, that's pretty much the story, and that's what I was after, to be honest. And they are extraordinary people. They, they met terrible storms right after they left uh, La Gomera, which is the Canary Island they leave from. The, one, yeah. um, the first couple of days, super seasick. The, um, they have to put out what's called a para anchor. It's like a parachute underwater, which holds the boat into the waves when it's too rough to row. And the effect of that is it turns the boat into a, like a spinning washing machine. So they had about two days of that where he said that that's the worst torture on earth. I can imagine. And 70 days it took them to cross the Atlantic. That's correct. 70 days, 9 hours and 11 minutes. And as Paul reminded me the other night at the Dublin launch, he said, uh, yeah, there was 22 seconds on there as well. Now, unfortunately, neither of them, how come neither of them had anybody to meet them at the other side? If they they both had families. Well, one of the problems, they, they both had families and one of the reasons was, A, the expense. It was quite expensive to get there. But the other reason was nobody knew when they would get there. So they couldn't really plan their holidays and get time off work, etc. So they said, well, sure, we'll wait till we come home and uh, we'll try and do a little bit of a holiday ourselves then afterwards. And what the Telescope Whiskey Atlantic Challenge does, they have a great videography team and they um, stream it live as they arrive in. But still, it's kind of emotional for them, and they didn't expect anybody. They thought, well, who's going to be around the corner? The actual finish line is kind of obscured from view on the land because it's all the super yachts right there in Nelson's dockyard. And so when they finally crossed the finish line, all of us that were out there on our boats were applauding them, and they thought that was it. And they come around the corner of the super yacht, and then there's you know people on the shore, and they're like, who are these people coming to meet us? It was an incredibly emotional moment. Wow. And, like, when they're coming across, I mean, I, do they have support crew? Are they racing or rowing on their own? What's the story? So, about in their year, I think it was 35 boats took off. I might be wrong on that. But 
um, there's two sailboats that go across at the same time and they try and visit each boat as they come. But as soon as they leave, they're basically out there on their own. Now, they do have a tracker system, so the race organizers know where they are. Also, people watching at home can follow it on the Internet. It's like a little dot of a boat crossing the sea, and they can see where they are. There's um, daily updates via satellite phone for the Facebook pages, etc. But technically, they're out there on their own. You know, there's there's nobody coming to rescue them in any second. Um, They're tethered into the boat at all times. And when there's one little sleeping cabin at the back, and usually in, in this case, Paul and Phil alternated rowing. So one of them be rolling, the other one be either resting or preparing their meals. And then uh, that has to be kept airtight in case of capsize. But this particular boat is named Dream It, Do It, BD for short, mm. has been, this is her fourth time across and she has never once capsized. Crikey. The story is called Flares Up, a story bigger than the Atlantic and the book is just out. I'll come back to it. But your own story, Neve, I cannot not ask you about it because you met Gary on a solo trip from where? Florida to the Bahamas? That's absolutely correct. I had spent a year as a volunteer traveling around the world and I was going to settle myself down again and I saw one more volunteer project I wanted to do which was to crew a sailboat for this solo sailor from Florida to the Bahamas and it was only supposed to last a month. And we got as far as the Bahamas, and then I kept crewing with him for another four months. And somewhere on the high seas, let me tell you, when you live 24-7 inside a 40-foot space, no TV, no internet, no cell service, you get to know the person from the inside out. And somewhere on those high seas, we kind of fell in love, and it was like magic. But um, we weren't quite, we, we thought that was going to be it. And when we got the boat back to Florida, we said a very cheerful goodbye. And I was heading to Ireland back for a family reunion. Gary was going back to his family in California. And he was gone about 10 days. And I just thought, you know, that could have maybe been something. But even if it was just the time we had, it was such a special connection that will stay with me for the rest of my life. And once I was over that part of it, next thing the phone rings. What are you doing now for the rest of the summer? You fancy sailing up the east coast of America with me? <laughs> you thought, so yeah. we we did. We went. I said, "Well, what else am I doing?" So yes, we we went up, and I said, "Where are we off to?" He goes, "New Jersey." I said, "What's in New Jersey?" He goes, "Newark," and a very cheap flight to Dublin. I said, "Oh, you are coming to visit my family then." And uh, he met all my family, and they loved him. We went back to uh, California, not by boat. Uh, we flew back. And we went to California, met his family. They loved me. So then we were kind of stuck together. Mm-hmm. And we continued sailing through the uh, three beautiful years of the Bahamas, the most gorgeous water you ever saw. Anybody's been there, like pale blue water, right through the Exumas. And then we got our sea legs and we said, okay, let's make a, a run for it. And we did a 10-day open water passage from the Bahamas down to Puerto Rico. And it was probably the most horrendous 10 days of my life. And so that was another reason for me when I saw the boys come ashore, having been in the Atlantic for 70 days, I'm like, I, I, I know what it's like in a sailboat. God knows what it feels like in a rowboat. You know what? You've got a story. They've got a story. The book is out. It's called, it's, it's called Flares Up, a story bigger than the Atlantic. And that is actually what it is. Now, lastly, because the way you describe it, Netflix must be beating your door down. 
Well, you know, I used to be a television director back yeah. in the day in RTE. I used to direct Five or Three and shows like that. And that I, when I write, I actually write from visuals in my mind, what I see, you know what I mean? And I usually write in my head before I actually even touch a computer. And I see this very much as a movie. I think it would make a great story. The backstory of the two lads and what happens while they're on the row with flashbacks and everything else. I think it would make an excellent movie. So, yeah, I think they should definitely knock on my door. <laughs> All right, listen, lovely talking to you, Neve. Lovely speaking to you. And look forward to getting stuck in to the book the first chance. You know the way, you, you know you've done enough of this. You get a scan and a read and then you get to get stuck in and enjoy. So it's a, it's a great story. Flares up a story bigger than the Atlantic. Neve McNally, uh, the story of two guys, Paul and Phil who rode a boat across the Atlantic in 70 days. Brilliant. 0818 96 96 96. And Neve is in West Cork at the moment visiting friends. I forgot to mention that while she was on the air. On Vaginal Mesh, the very best wishes to Mags on her complete mesh removal from all mesh survivors Ireland. And thank you to you for all your continued support of this life-limiting injury from mesh implementation that's from Terry thanks Terry 0818 96 96 96 Premier League Live is back this weekend so far we know all the matches going ahead uh, the period of mourning continues across the water but the matches are going ahead this weekend and Premier League Live back at 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh Saturday for midday powered by TalkSport live coverage Wolves against Manchester City at 12.30 Newcastle v Bournemouth at 3 and Spurs against Leicester at half past 5 those are this Saturday's games the Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman your home of the big screen and you can listen Saturday on the app on the Corks 96 app, just open it up and you'll find the Premier League Live button or you can take us over to 96fm.ie and find it there. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment Pitch Circus and Street Arts Festival kicks off this weekend with the gravity defying Tea Time Company and their show A Matter of Time. It's presented by Circus Factory Cork and The Everyman with more information at The Everyman's web website. Access all areas. Just announced this week for the Cork Jazz Festival, Jenny Green, Deck Pierce and King Kong Company all come to Cork Opera House for shows taking place on October 28th to 30th with tickets on sale now from CorkOperaHouse.ie Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie Access All Areas. With Cork Culture Night, Cork City Enjoy free events in over 100 venues on Friday, September 23rd. See culturenightcork.ie on Cork's 96FM. Now, if you're a political geek like I would be, you've been watching with interest uh, elections in Sweden. We're being told that if we don't watch it, the far right will creep into government all over Europe. And it's happening in Sweden. Uh, they've had a left-wing government there, um, Social Democrats leading it for, for years and years and years. But there was an election last Sunday in Sweden. Uh, their doll, which they call the Riksdag, has 349 seats. And the second biggest party is now a far-right party, the Sweden Democrats. Big change. And I can imagine Philip O'Connor joining me from Stockholm. Uh, people concerned uh, that a far-right far may be about to enter government. Morning. 
Good morning to you, PJ. Always a pleasure to talk to you and your listeners. And in short, yes, people are very concerned indeed. Not journal, not least journalists like yourself, and myself, because I think uh, things are going to look a whole lot different over the next four years. Now that the Sweden Democrats are, as you say, the second biggest party in the country with twenty point five percent of the vote, that means that one in five Swedes went out and voted for a party that had a former member of the Waffen SS, Hitler's Waffen SS, in its original committee. So, the, yeah, dark day for Sweden indeed today. How did this happen, Philip? Uh, oh, you know, how long have we got, PJ? Because it's a huge story. The Sweden Democrats basically were founded out of the white supremacist movement here in Sweden. There was always a problem uh, with that kind of thing, but it was kept very much under wraps for many years because people simply wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't deal with them. Uh, it was previously called Keep Sweden Swedish. And then they took off the bomber jackets and they let the skinheads grow out. They got the hair a little bit longer, put a suit on and started to insert themselves into the debate. So what they did was they removed the naked, open racism and anti-Semitism and went for the sort of the dog whistle thing of, you know, making people on social welfare think that they were competing with immigrants and so forth. Now, in the beginning, you know, 23 years ago when I moved over here, there was still only a handful of people who voted for them and very few who would actually admit that they voted for them. But a strange thing started to happen there around about 2000, PJ. And in every election from then on, they doubled their vote until they got into the parliament in 2010. And that in itself was stunning because, you know, all of the political parties, left and right, said, we're not going to deal with these people. We're not going to talk to them. We're just going to pretend like they don't exist. And they kept growing and growing and growing. So what happened then was that the mainstream political parties started to adopt their ideas and talk about, you know, taking a stricter, a harsher line on immigration, law and order, this kind of thing. And what they ended up doing was, you know, they ended up playing the politics game in the Sweden Democrats' half of the field. And so that only benefited them even more to the point where they're now, uh, as we said, the second biggest party in the country. And they won't be in government now, PJ, but they'll have a huge influence on the next government that's going to be formed. They won't be in government as the second largest party, no? No. So so they're still, to a certain extent, they're still somewhat pariahs, right? So Jimmy Orkesson, who's the leader of the Sweden Democrats, if he was to be put forward, as he could be by his party, as a potential prime minister, nobody else in the chamber is going to vote for him. That's just one of those things. They're not going to accept that. But what they will do is that the moderate party, who would be the equivalent in Ireland of, say, Fine Gael, yeah. uh, they would have the Liberals and the Christian Democrats with them. That's still only about 30% of the votes. But when you add the 20.5% of the votes of the Sweden Democrats to that, in a confidence and supply arrangement, then <laughs> Oh, all of no, a sudden, not yeah. that. Oh, God, yeah. They, they love a small coalition here, a very unstable, weak coalition. That the, and indeed, that's what the, the Social Democrats and the Green Party and the Left Party and the Centre Party would have had over the last eight years. So minority governments here are not unusual. In fact, they're the rule over history, and they've tended to work very well. But like everything else, nobody really predicted that this situation would happen. Now, what are the Sweden Democrats going to ask for in terms of confidence and supply? They've already managed to move the goalposts very far right. So you would have had... I mean, people were saying things in the, in the election campaign, PJ, that I never thought I would hear in Sweden, right? I'll give you one example. There's a certain amount of Sweden uh, areas in Sweden that they call particularly vulnerable areas, right? There's around about 60 of them that the police say, okay, there's a risk for young people getting involved in crime. I know because I live in one of them. Now, we've had suggestions that I could be stopped and searched without probable cause just because of where I live. My house could be searched if a police officer has a suspicion that there's gang activity or gang-related activity happening in my house, they 
they can search without a warrant, this kind of thing. They've talked about doing language tests for two-year-old children to see that they're learning Swedish. You know, the kind of thing that 20 years ago, you never would have even considered these things. But these are things that are now up on the agenda because the Sweden Democrats are going to hold the whip hand of this government, even if they're not in it. One of the things that we've learned about far right, and I guess, Philip, sometimes too far left, we should also look, look at both extremes. One of the selling points that the far right has is they'll throw something out there that is kind of, yeah, that's all right. And if you take a hold of that, they've got you. And they, have they been doing that? Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what they've been doing for 20 years, PJ. So one of the best uh, methods for them to do it is this idea of competition for resources, right? So it's the idea that oh, these immigrants are coming here and taking your jobs. They're coming in here, they're taking your place in the in the queue for, for an operation. Or this kind of, and they've been very, very skillful at doing that. Years ago, they were extremely blunt about it. They actually showed it as being a foot race between uh, women clad in hijabs and niqabs and a pensioner with one of those Zimmer frame kind of things, right? They were that blunt about it. But since then, they've become a little little bit more subtle. And you know what? There are things with the Sweden Democrats. The people that they're attracting are the people that feel abandoned, right? You have to remember that Olaf Palme, who was a Social Democrat Prime Minister for many years, was murdered here in 1986. He and previous Social Democrats before him, they built what they called the People's Home. There was a safety net there through which nobody could fall. But since the start of the 90s, Sweden has been sort of, you know, gradually taking that down and there's less and less and less security and support for people there. So when you get into that competition for society's resources yeah. an awful lot of people who were unemployed or who were on sick leave from work or some sort of disability payment, they're the ones who voted for the Sweden Democrats because they're convinced that they're competing with immigrants yeah. for these resources from society and, and know, that's an easy sell. Do you know the media, Philip, I mean part of our job here when you have somebody on from any kind of an extreme argument is you're meant to have bits of paper and re- references in front of you that you can contract what they say and all the stuff yeah. you talked about, the, the foreigner queuing up to take your jobs. And like most most of that is easily dismissed with, with, with a solid well, argument. But the thing is that that doesn't matter, PJ, right? There's an American academic called Whitney Phillips who wrote a brilliant p- p- paper for journalists like yourself and myself called The Oxygen of Amplification, right? They they don't care about arguments. They don't care about logic. They don't even care about being made to look foolish, right? So you could be the best prepared interviewer in the world and you can tear down all those arguments, but that's not the point. They, they're not there to argue with you. They're there to gain access to your audience and to your listeners and to say things that will resonate with them. So what we say in terms of interview, it doesn't actually make any difference because they're provoking an emotional and a visceral response. And like you say, it's very common sense. The Sweden Democrats had a fantastic policy that I really loved about putting a cap on the cost of dental care because I've had problems with I think that's brilliant. And that is enough to reel certain people in. But you have to look at what's, what's behind that. And when you start dividing people into groups, and not least journalists, we've already had a situation where a representative of a Jewish organisation came out here and they said that they were very disturbed that an anti-Semitic racist party would have such a say in the politics of this country and straight away the Sweden Democrats were out saying we need to change public service broadcasting it needs to be a punishable offence to be partial in public service broadcasting I mean that's not a great look for freedom of press or freedom of speech no, you know no, so we need no. to take them in their entirety and not lend them our audience You've lived there a long time Philip we've talked before about how you ended up over there I think you went for three or four months 29 years ago and you're still there now do you think life I mean you'd, you'd, be, you'd be a bit of a, a bit of a soft left to yourself I think politically do you think I think that's fair, yeah. Do you think life is going to change? 
I think this is the end of the people's home. I think whatever chance uh, we had of resurrecting Olaf Palme's people home is now gone. Because what happened in the previous terms of right-wing government was that in the 90s, they started to sell things off. Then under Frederick Reinfeld's uh, centre-right government, there was two terms of centre-right government there this century already, even more things were sold off. There's a school system here which is for profit. So you can open, as a limited company, you can open schools and as many chains of them. Some of them are listed on the stock exchange. The only hope uh, of stopping that was with this election. And it was a very, very narrow loss for the Social Democrats. And the interesting thing, political nerdage, RPG, I have to share this with you, right? All of the parties, the moderates, the liberals and the Christian Democrats actually got less votes this time around than they did in 2018. But because of the support of the Sweden Democrats, they're going to be forming the next government. So this is what consensus <laughs> politics and consensus, this is what democracy looks like, you know, as, uh, as they used to say, you know, the people have spoken. Yeah. Now we just have to work out what they said. So oh, interesting times ahead. Yeah, it but it'll probably get worse before it gets better. It took us three months the last time. You know, the people have spoken. What the hell are they saying? We've got a Cork, <laughs> exactly. we've got a Cork woman over there who's a member of the moderates. I don't know how she done. I know the elections are all complicated. Claudia Crowley Sorensen from Cork is a member of the, the, the moderates and we might chat with her in the next few days. Philip, thank you very much for that. It's a fascinating story how Sweden looks like it could turn to the far right or at least have the far right run in the government policy. It's a great story. Philip, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Well, a scary story, actually. Not even a good story. A very, very scary story. What have you found in your child's mouth? You know, when they're small, morning boys, young lads took a Jay's toilet block out of the loo and uh, was munching on it for two minutes before we spotted it. Our one went through a ladybird eating phase. I came home and found my husband asleep on the couch and my two and a half year old face down in the cat's litter box. Hang on a second now. If I came home and I saw one of my children with the legs of a daddy long legs yeah. hanging out of their mouth, the child would be on done deal within the hour. Gone. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noldc.com open 24-7 the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk Call 0818 969696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. See that uh, Kinahan guy Johnny Morrissey arrested in Spain. That fella was once known, and there's a lot of detail about it in the Irish Sun today. Some good writing there uh, from our friends in the Sun. They, they, Johnny Morrissey was once known as Johnny Cash here in Cork, where it's believed that he uh, ran a restaurant for a while uh, in the 90s. So Cork connection, to, there's a Cork connection to everything, lads, but he's one of, he's been detained in, in Spain, one of the um, top Kinahan figures. 0818 96 96 96 Sweden, Kate says, I have a nephew who lives there. Loved it because it's very family friendly. They have great leisure facilities for free as well, even kayaking, but he's not a very political person. We have some news, some breaking news just confirmed during the news bulletin. Talking earlier on this morning with Don O'Leary at Cork Life Centre, just as the tickets for Christy Moore went on sale at the Opera House. Christy Moore playing the Opera House in support of the Life Centre and in honour of Don O'Leary on the 6th of November. And I am delighted to tell you 
that it is completely sold out. So it's sold out in, I would say, less than two hours. The tickets were about to go on sale as we were talking to Don. Christy Moore at the Opera House, 6th of November, in honour of the Life Centre and in honour of Don O'Leary and all funds going to the Life Centre. Sold out. Not a ticket left to be had. That's good to see. 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email opinion at 96fm.ie. That, of course, is the best way to contact if you want to get in touch with us out of hours. In other words, when the show is off the air. You're listening to our podcasts. We put up about 30 podcasts a week, including the live or the full show every day and then overnight we have a kind of condensed version of the opinion line runs between 3 and 5am if you listen to that in whatever time zone you happen to be in or if you're driving a taxi or driving a truck late at night you're listening to that and you want to contact us about something opinion at 96fm.ie is always the way to get in touch Irish language movies our big business at the moment on Colleen Kewen has done a really great box office and is it's hoped to pick up some awards come awards season. There's another Irish film coming out uh, 16th September, which is tomorrow. It'll be released in uh, all the cinemas. It's called Russia and Frank. It's brought to us by Breakout Pictures and one of the stars of that is Anya Lyra from Cork. Anya, good morning. Hiya, Peter. How are you this morning? Good, good. You play a vet in this, what sounds like a lovely, lovely story. Yeah, it's a gorgeous story. It's um, really heartwarming, really beautifully told. It's a kind of a shaggy dog story, literally a shaggy dog story. Very much a shaggy dog story. Probably the best looking shaggy dog you've ever seen, isn't it, to be honest? (laughs) Tell me about it. So Rosha and Frank is about uh, a widow, Rosha, whose uh, husband, Frank, has passed away and a year has passed and she's still very much in mourning and hasn't moved on at all. And she goes to visit his grave every day. And one day this dog turns up and follows her home and follows her home again. And more and more, she starts to believe that Frank, this dog, is her husband reincarnated. And she starts to bring him into her life and all kinds of crack and zoos. Does she call the dog Frank? She does. She's It's Frank. For her, it is really Frank. Right. It must have been a joy to, to be involved in something. You play a vet, so obviously you have to check Frank out. Yeah, so I play Karen, the local vet, and God love Karen. She's one of the only people who's not really taken with this idea at all at all. Oh. Um, and I well, let's suppose, let's say she maybe has some suggestions for Frank that maybe Rosh isn't particularly keen on, as vets tend to do with dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vets, vets, vets don't look upon it the same way as the owner. The owner's going, oh, no, I can't do that. Well, actually, you should kind of thing, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It seems to be a kind of a, a purple patch, as it were, Anya, for films in Irish. People are very excited about what on Colleen Kuhn might do come awards season. And already uh, Rosha and Frank picking up local awards here. What is it about Irish language movies? Are we finally about to break through? Um, I really feel like we are. Like I think a lot of it is, in all fairness, to um, this amazing initiative, Cinecahar was, um, or Cinefor was created a few years ago, 
as like um, an initiative between TG Carr, the uh, BAI and Screen Ireland to encourage like finances and funds for Irish filmmakers. And I think it's allowed this whole, um, this investment has allowed so many people to bring really unusual stories to life. And I think when you fund the arts, the arts respond and amazing work is created. So I really think it's it's this really focused energy and and the Irish are such amazing storytellers that I think it was kind of inevitable. And I feel like, um, especially with things like Squid Games on Netflix or yeah. Call My Agent, like where audiences are really getting used to the idea of films in a language that's not their own. Yes. And why shouldn't Irish be one of those? It's one of the fastest, like, yeah. regrowing languages in the world right now. Yeah. Now, you've been in Dublin Murders, you were in The Young Offenders, and you were in Ross Naroon, which, of course, is the, the the Irish language soap. So you're no stranger to doing Irish language stuff. How did you end up in this one? How did you make it to this movie? <sighs> Uh, so I um, I got a call from my agent and um, and I was sent the script and I just thought it was really beautiful and it was one of those ones where I kind of felt like I kind of wanted to be part of the story regardless of what the part was and I was just really lucky. I got on really well with Rachel and Peter who were the writers and directors and and it's fab because gone since then I've gone on to work with Peter again and just kind of one of those things that just happened everything kind of just fell into place really easily is it one of these all movies i feel like the best way to describe the film is i I brought a friend of mine a big strong burly lad who wouldn't be much of a softy we were watching the film and i was really like oh this is a film for like my aunties we were watching the film i looked over and wasn't he only like tears streaming down his face so it is, it's definitely got us. It's definitely, whatever that feeling is, it's definitely got us. What breed of dog is involved? Barley is a mongrel, I think. So he's a mix of maybe a bit of wolfhound and something else, but he was a rescue dog. So basically, he's one of the most prolific dog actors in the world. He was also in Poldark. Do you know this TV show? Get away! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the Poldark dog. So this dog is famous. This dog is a star. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the real deal. Working, actually, there's a thing now. Working with a with a dog like that and, and the professional handlers on set, that's got to be some experience. It's wild. But honestly, and I think all of the actors would agree, he was probably one of the most professional among us. <laughs> like, honestly, he was, you couldn't, there was nothing he wouldn't do. And the trainers are amazing. He's a family dog. And Jill, the or sorry, Gil, the trainer, when a film comes up, will take Barley, bring him to work, and then brings Barley back to his ha- family home where he lives a normal life. He's a proper celebrity, like. Get away! Is he Irish or English? He, he's English. <laughs> oh, we can't own him all. The name like Barley, I, I know. Might be lucky. We, I thought we might be lucky. So it's it's in the gate and the omniplex from Friday, and then the the, the sky's the limit. So on, I mean, as a as an actor, it's an exciting time. For, for you to be involved in something like this. Absolutely. And it's already, um, so it went to the Chicago Film Festival. It won um, an Audience Choice Award at the San Francisco Film Festival. So globally already it's making moves, which is just so exciting. And it's so exciting when I think of family that I have abroad who speak Irish, who get to go to the cinema and see something like this yeah. at a festival. It's incredible. Like, Yeah, because you are, are you, are you native or just fluent? 
I'm native, so we would have spoken Irish at home. Would yeah. you? Well, what yeah, part of Cork are yeah. from originally? I'm from Toker, which is like, which I'm so proud to be now. from. Your, your, par- your parents, are they Gwelthic people? No, they're not. So both of my parents are primary school teachers and they just have a real grow. They have a real love for the Irish and it was very important to them to bring us up. So when I was younger, it was a real, like, apart from, like, I would have gone to a Gwale school. I went to Gwale school, Ureda and Wilton. All right. And um, no one else I knew outside of school would have spoken Irish and talker and it was real embarrassing. And now I feel so lucky to have it. But, like, when you're a child, anything different is the worst. What was it like but, bringing uh, friends in from school? Well, that was grand, you see, because it was a Gwale school. But bringing friends in from, like, the street, from the road, like, it was definitely commented on yeah yeah it was definitely <laughs> noticeable and it was seen as strange whereas now I feel like actually loads of people way more people speak Irish and people really want to learn Irish as adults yeah you're right I mean we all do it at school for what half our life it seems yeah and we come out of it and Toshiyanaha you know it, it's in there it's in there mm-hmm. oh yeah it gets so rusty but sure if I don't speak it for a little while I get rusty and I lose words yeah. And my grammar is appalling. <laughs> well, that's okay. Oh, yeah. Great <laughs> talking to you. Can't wait to see the film. Uh, and, and good luck. Brilliant. Good luck with it. That's uh, Anya Nilera. She plays the vet in a new movie called Russia and Frank. Irish language movie opens tomorrow night at the gate and at the Omniplex. And she grew up in, 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 in Toker speaking Irish. I thought she had some romantic story like growing up in Balavorni or somewhere. Or, or the Kool-Aid Grail talk. No, talker. <laughs> 0818 90s. No, hang on. And neither hen, and neither hooked. No cachet, no cachet, no cachet. Yes! Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here. Score on Cork's 96 FM. Join me, Trevor Welsh, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on another big weekend of local Gaelic Games action and we bring you reaction from Cork City's trip to Galway. Right here, right now. Join Trevor Welsh for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. I'm gutted, PJ. Absolutely gutted. I tried for tickets for Christy Moore while you were talking to Don. They weren't on sale at that point. I went into a meeting at work, tried again after, and they were sold out. Great news for Don and the Life Centre, but bad news for me. Those tickets for that gig at the Opera House on 6th of November seem to have sold out in under an hour. Brilliant. Absolutely great. 0818-969696. Let me read a couple of things from a beautiful little book that's in front of me on the desk here. I can breathe long and slow to calm my busy mind. I can dream and dare to be different. I can hug myself, my teddy or a friend. I can mind myself and others by being safe and kind. I can overcome difficult moments and be okay. Each one is a different letter of the alphabet, you might or might not have guessed. The book is called The A to Z, or A to Z, A to Z, of Minding Me. It's a new children's book, co-written by Tracy Flynn and Neve Gogan, and Tracy joins me now. Hi, Tracy. Hi, PJ. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's gorgeous. 
It's such a lovely, simple concept. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, just to say it's been such an exciting week for myself and Neve Gogan. Um, The book is officially on bookshelves and it was launched on the 8th of September. So it's just wonderful. It's waiting to jump into the arms of children and adults all over the country. Myself and me, Neve met seven years ago and we worked on a number of projects. And in 2019, we finally sat down and we began writing the A to Z of Minding Me. So it's a children's picture book and it's illustrated by the wonderful, gorgeous Kerry O'Callaghan. And you can claim her all as your own PJ. She's from Cork, which is brilliant. brilliant. She's from County Kinsale and she lives in Clonakilty. And our book, we wanted to remind children, we think children are amazing, but we wanted to remind them of all the things they can do to care for themselves, their well-being, and to ultimately become a better friend to themselves. So that was the concept or the Mm. message behind the book. Yeah, and the alphabetical nature of it, I guess. Yeah, well, that was nearly the framework of the book, and it was really simple and, you know, introduces sounds, and it kind of guides the reader through the book. You know, it's meant to be kind of a pick-up, put-down book that can be opened on any page. But what we wanted each page to have an affirmation, and beginning, you know, with the I can, both myself and Eve feel really strongly that, you know, that positive self-talk, that growth mindset is really important So we wanted the letters of the alphabet to nearly be like a toolbox for children. I always imagine, you know, a suitcase and all the letters of the alphabet are in the suitcase and children carry around that for the day. And they can dip in and out of that and give themselves that little positive message, some of which you just read out there, PJ, um, and choose what they need and when they need it to navigate day to day life. Yeah, it's it's dedicated, uh, among others, to, to your own daughter. Mm, yeah, so my daughter is nine, Callie, um, and when we began writing the book in 2019, she was six. Neve has two children, Poppy, who's 12, and Seb, who's 10. So we kind of road tested a lot of the affirmations and the ideas out in our children. And PJ, it's just wonderful, you know, you know, practice makes permanence. We've been saying these for a few years now, and we would encourage people to use them over and over again. And the children are really starting to use them now themselves. Yeah. And they're coming back now and reminding me which ones to use myself. So um, yeah. that's when you kind of, they're internalizing them and using them then when they need to. In a world where so many electronic books are out there, and I'd be mm. a person who reads an awful lot of books electronically these days, this is not a book yep. to read electronically. This is a beautiful book that you've got to hold in your hand. Do you know what we wanted? We always said we wanted it to be a hug in a book, a nurture of a read. And the, you know, the main idea within the book is connection, connection to yourself, connection to nature, connection to the world around us. And we've come out of a time where we were so disconnected, you know, and technology was there and it is a big part of our lives. But this book, as you said, you want you want to hold it, you want to feel it. We want children to get lost in the illustrations, to hear the words, perhaps if somebody is reading it with them or they're, you know, looking at or getting lost in a page, that there's connection moments for the child and an adult, perhaps a grandparent or a teacher. Um, it's all about connection. Now, if you want to give a child a present of a book, which is one of the best presents you can ever give a child, what even mm. better is if it's signed by the person who wrote it. And you'll be in Dubray Saturday week. We are so excited. I am coming down um, and Kerry O'Callaghan, 
the beautiful illustrator will be there as well. So we would love to see everybody come out. Uh, we'll be there from 12 o'clock um, in Dubray in Cork, yes. And I'm really looking forward to it. And actually, I must say as well, and this would have been illustrator's license. I think Kerry has got the nod to Cork in on the page. I can say yippee when positive things happen for me. You'll see some Cork colours there. I'd say it's a nod to the GAA and to Munster, perhaps. Let but, me have uh, a so look I'm at delighted. this. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, there's a little chap with a hurley and, and a red and white that's it, so. uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, and, so. and there's the Cork flag. You see, we'll it, get so. we'll get in everywhere. You sure Tracy. will. So we're <laughs> delighted for you all, anyway, and Kerry. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations on a beautiful production, and I hope you have a huge crowd. I hope there's a queue out the door at Dubray on the 24th of September. That's Tracy Flynn, uh, one of the authors, with Neve Gogan of the A to Z of Minding Me, illustrated by Kerry O'Callaghan. It is just lovely. It really is. Can I say welcome home to someone I've known for a long time, uh, but who's been living for many, many years and is still based there for many, many years in South Africa. Um, built a music career for herself and was in South Africa for quite a number of years and is home in Cork for a few months. And I can't wait to meet and to catch up. But welcome home to the lovely Morgan Dean, a Cork musician and singer and songwriter and all those kind of things. Home from South Africa for a few months. Catch you soon, Muggs. There's a door-to-door story up there. I, before I even read it, and I will in a sec, I buy nothing at the front door. I've said this for years. Some people get annoyed at me for saying it, but I wouldn't care if my own mother, my own lovely mother, came to the front door selling lines off a card or trying to get me to switch my energy provider or trying to do anything like that. Sorry, not happening. I buy nothing at the front door. And I don't care if I offend some people who are genuine, and lots of them are, but I can't tell genuine from 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 a, a con artist on my front doorstep. But I'll come back to the story. 0818 96 96 96. We know that the school bus situation isn't sorted out yet. We know that a lot of kids are still waiting on tickets, even though they're into their, what, second or third week back at school now. Didn't ever think, though, that children would be turfed off a bus in the middle of all this. Councillor Frank Frank O'Flynn joins me. Frank, where did this happen? Who did it happen to? Morning. Um, good morning, PJ. Good morning, listeners. I'm delighted you're airing this issue. Uh, as you know, PJ, this is going on now for a number of years. And normally if you have a problem for one year, you're sorted. And I cannot understand the mist that we're in at the moment. But it did happen, happened on Tuesday morning in a beautiful town, a village called Kildalway. Mm-hmm. Kildalway uh, covers a large area because there was um, pupils from Shamblemore, some from Castle Roads, some from uh, Gamut and outlying areas. But there was children in Kildalway on Tuesday morning taking off the bus because they had no tickets. No, PJ, the fact of the matter is there was actually seats on the bus for Hold the on, kids. Hold on, let's just... just so so they, were, they had gotten on the bus to yes. go to school and then going yes. through... My understanding is going through Kildare, they were stopped. The bus stopped. Inspector gets on, yeah, yeah, and asks these well, children. Actually, the, the collection point is actually Kildare for a lot of them. So some are just outside Kildare. So because okay. in Kildare the inspection was done, and some of the kids in Kildare who got on in Kildare previously who didn't have tickets because some of them were delayed, some don't know where they're getting them, and that is a complete mess. We are three or four weeks in now, and there's still families and students waiting for the tickets to be issued. But um, because that morning there was checks done. And there was pupils put off the bus. Some right. of those pupils in PJ, they were dropped in by their parents, dropped in by their neighbours, and they were going to walk. 
I won a lady onto me, she was actually crying. She said, Frank, oh, who's going to take my son to Mitch? Should he get a neighbour to take the son to Mitch's town and get another neighbour to collect him? That's not good enough in this day and age. And, you, young s- child. and you say that there was a seat for them on the bus, that there was plenty of room. There were, well, PJ, I was there last in the morning and I made sure and I checked the buses. Uh, when the bus was leaving Kildallery Esteman, there was actually about 24 seats on it. Now, there was other pupils on the way to be collected. So there was ample seats on the bus. And again this morning, I've checked again, there was ample seats on the bus. It's all about management. It's all about organisation. Now, we have tremendous inspectors. They're working hard over and beyond the college world, like Pat O'Hanlon and Ken Robinson. They're very, very helpful. Better they're not to use names, like, Frank. I know you're, I know you're no, being nice about I them, but that. better not to use names. They're, yeah. they're very helpful. Yeah. But they, I'm looking at... The, the, the scheme has changed every year PJ if you have a problem one year you solve it next year this is going on over the last four or five years like we do very same we have in, in Chamberlain War Kildall you're talking about 25 pupils mm. in Kildinan and in Linville you're talking about the 20 mm. and in Lanmott they, not the parents in Lanmott they, they organise their own bus PJ and Frank is it That's worse the, now because the system is free this year far worse because no, and the system is free, and I welcome that. It is a great help because we know how, how hard pressed families are. Yeah, it is very, very well. I mean, it's a saving of several say, hundred euro for a family, like it's about up to five hundred for a family. Some up to six fifty, seven hundred. It's very, very, but at the same time, is if you're bringing something free, you must have the service. And we didn't uh, manage it properly. We didn't put an overall management plan in place. Mm. We seem to have these pinch areas. Linville Kildinan now is going on for years and years and years. Easy thing to, and of course, the other thing, PJ, is we've, this rule is brought in. If you're a driver of 70, you cannot drive a school bus. We've talked about that Thompson. before. We talked about that before with Senator Lambert, right. and he said the same thing that in actual fact, the Transport Authority have waived that now and said it's okay, but Bus Aaron are still imposing it. Well, I was talking this morning to a bus operator, and he hasn't been notified of that. But do you know that a driver over 70 can drive children say, from Kildalwi to Vermaia or Kildalwi to the Mitchell's town? But the, the school principal then can ask him, we've a match tomorrow morning, we're playing uh, St. Coleman's in Vermaia, will you drive us off? Are we going to tell us? He can drive the pupils from the school to a match. I get away, Frank. No, 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 this is new now. So he can't drive the school bus, but he can drive the bus to a match. He can drive the same bus to a match, but he can't collect kids uh, and take them to the school, but he can take the same pupils to a match. Hang on, hang on. This gets, this gets better, Frank. This, I'm sorry yes. that this gets better. So he can't... Yes, he can't pick the kids up and bring them to school. No. But he can get but into he, the he, same bus, the same bus, yes. and drive them yes. to a match. That's true. I've said they out now, and most pupils, they have a day out in the school, or they go swimming once a week, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. very... Uh, and like those children down in Kilfinnan, they actually go to the pool in Fomai. They love the day out and all the national schools. But it's absolutely crazy. Now, we lifted that in during, we had problems like that in the NCT that was extended uh, during COVID. Uh, the driving test was extended. The driving license was extended. Yes. So I'm calling. And we started the problem. You know, PJ and, and, and parents out there and concerned parents out there and how much water they have. And I said, Do you know that during COVID? We actually, when we have the numbers in the buses, we sold it overnight. We bought in extra buses. <laughs> the answer true. is extra buses and proper management. An extra the dr- system an, is an very extra. easy. But the stress and worry, PJ, parents yeah. on the phone to me, and they're above their the morning. And sorry, Alfred, no, when, when you went to question, when you went to question about why the kids were asked to get off in Kildare, and look, the, the inspectors, let's face it, they're just doing their job. They have a job to do, they exactly. have to do it, and they're decent people, mm. according to what you tell me. I don't know them at all. But, like, is there any explanation to be had for why, in the midst of a situation where people still don't have their ticket, kids are getting put off the bus. TJ, you know the wheels of some organisations, they move very, very slowly. Someone somewhere decided, go to Gildallery and anyone who wrote a ticket, put them off. Yeah. 
If they, now, how how the parents and those, and what about the child themselves, left above in the street, stranded? Some friends drove them in, neighbours drove them in. Some parents had to take a half day off work. Some parents had to rearrange their work. Their work. Some were on business. That's, one, that's... One, one lady, she had actually to drive to Cox. She said, I dropped off my son, taking cheap, he collected. Then I got a phone call from him. He was above on the side of the street crying. That's not on in this That's, not, that's not good enough. Do that's not good enough. Frank, thank you for that. Uh, Councillor Frank O'Flynn from the Formoy area of Cork County Council. That's mad. That's That's bonkers and there's no blame to the inspectors like he said they're just doing their job he knows them personally I've no idea who they are under the sky above them but they're decent people they've got a job to do any parents affected by that or any this ridiculous situation utterly bonkers situation with retired drivers drivers who'd loved a few hours work in the day and well able to still do it I mean I knew that they couldn't drive the school bus but what Frank has just told me now that doesn't bear like, there's no explanation for that. So, the bus is sitting there. The, the guy, the, the retired driver, 71-year-old driver, say, 70-and-a-half-year-old driver, cannot drive the children to school in the school bus, okay? But if they're going to a match, or if they're going swimming, or if they're going on a day out, you can drive the same bus, the same bus! Like that's really that's that's killing the scully Can we just talk? The opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96 on Courts 96 FM. Right, big story breaking and has been agreed in the last few days. A new pay scheme. A, for the first time ever, a minimum rate of pay for people working in childcare and early years. I'll get to that in about one minute, but I need to do this first because I'll forget it if I don't. Caller says I was home on Tuesday and people called from a charity looking for monthly contributions. I think it's a bit of a joke, says this caller, that you can't enjoy your time at home without being asked to donate to this or donate to that. I live near but not in the city centre. We get all of the collectors knocking on our door. Since the war in Ukraine, it's worse. I can't understand how TDs and councillors haven't taken this up. People who are old or have anxiety issues might find it very hard to say no, and they might feel intimidated. And also, con artists will start collections when it's the norm, and it's easy to look like you're from a charity. I think all door-to-door activities should be banned, not just charities. Is the permit they get from the guards, is that just showing it's a bona fide charity? Or do the guards have the right to decline? I think the guards do have the right to decline. But but I said this for years and I stand over it and it's a rock I'll perish on. If I have to, I buy nothing, absolutely nothing at the front door. 0818 96 96 96. Now, early years professionals have secured... Their very first pay deal setting minimum wages in the sector. And it comes in today, uh, September 5th. Eva Mitchell is from SIP2. Eva, morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Is this the first time there's ever been an actual agreed minimum rate of pay? 
Yeah, yeah, it it is. Yeah. So today is a very historic day for the earlier sector. Um, I suppose uh, we've been campaigning and lobbying about this issue for the last number of years. Um, and on September the 7th, it was officially uh, signed into law um, by Minister Damien English. Um, and then it comes into effect today. So across the sector nationally now, there is legally binding minimum rates of pay for the earlier sector. So it's our first employment regulation order. Um, so, yeah, a very historic day for, for the earlier sector. Am I looking at the figures correctly? Is it now a minimum of 13 per hour? That's it. So it's a minimum of 13 euros per hour for the educator grade. Um, and then obviously, um, the, 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 as, as the grades increase, um, there, there's uh, rates of pay as well established for those grades. So managers, deputy managers, graduate lead educators and lead educators as well are covered under this um, employment regulation order. So, yeah. It's, and and it, up to now, there were minimum many. wage workers, were they? Um, yeah, so I suppose it, 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 that's it, that's it exactly. Um, up to now, you could be paid um, minimum wage um, legally. That that you could be paid minimum wage. Um, the average rate of pay across the sector was eleven ninety euros per hour. Um, so you're talking about you know a, a, a huge amount of workers that you know are, are, have a degree behind them, um, a huge amount of workers that have a, 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 a lot of experience working in the sector, and obviously they are caring for and educating our youngest citizens mm. so the job that they are doing and the role that they play in society is is incredibly important so um it's 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 great to see that they're finally being recognized now how is it going to be funded i mean that's a that is a pay rise for a lot of people that's, how is it going to be funded absolutely well I, I uh, the the core funding mechanism that I suppose you know a lot of people have been talking about that over the last number of months. Um, I'm sure it's been spoken about on, yes. on on the radio with with yourselves. But the core funding, um, you know, that was the the the, the additional funding that we had lobbied for over the last number of years. And you know that what the the intended purposes for that funding was to improve paying conditions. So, um, the 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 level of core funding coming into the sector is to support support these, um, these pay increases. And actually, up until 2028, um, the government has committed to um, increasing investment up to 1 billion by 2028. So while we have our first ERO now this year, um, over the next number of years, we're going to be going back into the Labour Court and renegotiating these EROs year on year mm. to try and in- improve and increase paying conditions for early years educators. Um, you know, because we really do need to get the sector up to professional levels of pay. And, um, mm. you know, this has to be recognised as the first leg of the education system. Um, deservedly so it is. Um, it's it's educating and, and caring for children in the most formative years of their lives. Be- they be- have to be paid a, a decent rate of pay. Because so many times I've spoken to people either in the sector as in people who operate um, in the sector they can't afford to pay people and in core funding isn't enough well, there is a sustainability fund there available from the government. So any service that does find themselves in a position where, you know, they, 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 they are finding it difficult to cover these rates of pay, there is a sustainability fund. And the commitment was by government that anybody that finds themselves in any sort of difficulty in paying these rates, um, they can avail of that. So nobody should be better or less um, off than they were last year or the year before. That's that is a condition conditionality by the by the government. So um you know it's 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 
not really, you know, uh, true to say that, um, you know, these rates won't be covered. They, they will indeed. Okay. Um, it's well, just, long, uh, be, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Eva. Eva Mitchell, yep. SIP2, uh, Childcare Early. Well, just to, yeah, go ahead. No, just as well, just to say, um, I suppose the important thing just to point out as well is, I suppose this shows the power of, of strength and, and, and collective organising um, in, in, in a sector. It's so important that people recognise that, you know, change didn't come about out of nowhere. It came about because these workers organised themselves and sure. they campaigned and lobbied over the last number of years. So it's a message as well to, to all workers out there um, that, that uh, they, they, they need to become members of a trade union mm. and obviously start campaigning and organising for their own sectors. Alright, a fair and solid point. Thank you. Eva Mitchell of SIP2 representing the childcare and early years sector. Now working in that sector is Julie. Uh, you're in Skibbereen, Julie. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. This is good news for you and a lot of people like you. It is fantastic news. It's recognition for our hard work and dedication to children and to the country in general as, uh, as early years. Um, we are the foundation of education. We're the first step in children's education that, that needed to be recognised. Mm. Uh, for every euro that's invested in early years, it's a three euro back into the state because it saves later on in in funding for, we say, mental health service and things because children are given a really good start in life with proper and quality earlier services. Now, I'm not asking you to tell me what you presently paid unless you want to tell me, but you'll benefit from this, will you? I personally don't because I was a room leader and the service I work with were uh, they I, a little but not too much. They were my pay was a little bit better, but my other colleagues, yes, it greatly benefited them and it was fantastic for them. On the day that I told them they'd be receiving a pay rise, it was like they had won the lotto. It meant so much to them. Yeah, because attracting people into the sector is difficult. A lot of people just can't staff their playgroups or their after-school clubs or their. They're, 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 little, they're little schools. So, you know, it's important to be able to, to attract people with a good wage. Absolutely. I mean, it's a very, it's a, it's a demanding job. It's a job with a high level of responsibility. And you need to be paid for that. And it, it, at the moment, it's, we're experiencing, uh, we say, um, a brain drain from the sector because we have highly educated people with degrees who cannot work in the sector or who aren't attracted to the sector. Listen, and and how many people work with you? You're in the. Uh, I have. Well, I work in the after school department at the moment, and I have three other girls who work with me. And in the morning, we have we've uh, four to five staff in the morning working at our service in the preschool. And how many kids is that taking care of then? Uh, we have up to up to over thirty in the after school, and we have twenty two in the morning. Brilliant. And delighted to see everyone getting a pay rise down there. Thank you very much. That's Julia Regan Lynch, works in the Skibbereen Community Playgroup and an after-school club there. Uh, the early years educator from this weekend, from today, the rates are early years educator, €13 Euro per hour, lead educator, €14 Euro per hour, graduate lead educator, 1550 deputy manager, 1570 and a room leader with a, a QQI level 8, which is a, an honours degree, that's 13.21 per hour, goes up to 15.50. So generally, rates of pay between 13 euro an hour and 15.70 an hour, based on your level of qualification and experience from today in that sector. An improvement, I think, for many, many people. Ger is in, in Brittany, in France, and has contacted us. Ger... 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? Hi. What can I do for you, sir? <laughs> I was just kind of um, surprised there at the uh, the reduction in prices over here compared to at home on uh, diesel and petrol. And um, I went into the first supermarket there, uh, <coughs> and um, again, the prices of beer and wine... Uh, including other produce is is drastically less than what we pay at home. Like a bottle of wine there is uh, maybe five euro less than what it is at home, you know? Yeah. Talk to me about the petrol and diesel. What are you paying over there right now? Uh, petrol is around 150 something. Um, I filled up with diesel this morning. Um, it, was in the, it was 160, I think, yeah, around that. Crikey. Uh, it's about yeah. uh, about two euro still for the diesel here, and the petrol yeah. has gone to about one eighty now in some places. You sent us some pictures of of yeah, receipts. Yeah, the, pri- the prices are on the picture there. Um, yeah, I took a photograph of the prices there, and so I, I thought it was so good I filled it up straight away because I thought it might be a, a one off thing, but it's it's not. It's uh, and have you the car with you? I'm in a camper. I, oh right, so will you be loading it up? Oh. <laughs> uh, on my way back, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm allowed 120 litres of wine. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, you've got one. You've got a receipt here. You got we just do it on a quick a quick recce. You've got a, a bottle of wine there on that receipt for one ninety nine. Yeah, herself herself drinks that, and I think it's nearly eight euros yeah. in the same in the same store. In the, same, in, the, in the same store and you've sent us a receipt from the store and to be shall we say without naming it a well known store yeah no, and no, the, the no. last time the last time I was here I called into the same store on the way home I think it was earlier this year and they had an offer for uh, two for the price of one so it was 99 cents a bottle <laughs> I know, I know. Do you know what? I, I will be looking out for you on the way home. It'll, yours will be the camper van with the bendy axle. <laughs> I might buy a trailer here. <laughs> Gillette, Gillette razors. Now, there's another thing. I need to buy some razor blades, and they are an awful flipping price here. What are you paying for? Gillette? Why are you paying for Gillette razors? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Three thirty-one, according to the receipt. Three thirty-one for a packet of razors. Give over. Will you, yeah. Will you bring me home packages? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jerry, stop. Listen, enjoy. Are you there much longer? I uh, just arrived. Uh, I'm on a one-way ticket. I mightn't come back. Do you know what? <laughs> look, look out! Look out for the camper van with the bendy axle, making its making its way around Brittany. Jared, thanks for contacting us. Enjoy your holiday or your break. One ninety nine in Brittany, in France, for a bottle of yo-yo, a bottle of wine that costs you eight yo-yos here. A packet of razors, three thirty-one. They're over a tenner minimum here. He can, can stock up and sell the razors and the wine when he gets home. So be looking out, be looking out for a, a camper van with a bendy axle when Jerry comes back from his holidays. Stream the freshest hits of 2022 on the Hit Mix. Let's go! Or find the biggest workout bangers on the Fit Mix. The Cork's 96FM Hit Mix and Fit Mix are streaming live right now. Streaming live right now. Melody, the playing, playing.
Download the Cork's 96FM app. Listen on your smart speaker. Or go to 96FM.ie. That's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow just after nine. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. On your radio every afternoon with the best tunes from the biggest names like these guys. My name is George Ezra. Hi, I'm Lizzo. This is Harry Styles. I am always good for a giveaway. You're very good, thanks for real. And the random stuff like House Envy. Can you see the water from where you are? I can. It's just beautiful, yeah. Any interest in doing a bit of Airbnb, Gillian? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the My Sky app to discover your rewards. On Cork's 96 FM.